Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well, wherever and whenever you are. Well, we're getting into the year now, last week of February. Every week we have in-person church now, and I get to record a special podcast-only version of the Sunday Sermon. Uh, And if you want to know more about Everyone Church, uh, come and visit. Check out our website, everyonechurch.com.au. Find us on Instagram, Facebook at everyone.church. We'd love to meet you and get to know you. Over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about keystone habits. Habits are powerful things that we often fall into, and our ability to uh, sustain change in 2024 will rise and fall based upon the habits we instill and monitor in our lives. Uh, Jim Ryan, who was an American track and field athlete, he said, motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. So we've been talking about this concept of a keystone habit. In Charles Dewey's book, The Power of Habit, he mentions that a keystone habit is a habit that people introduce into their routines that carries over into other aspects of their lives. It's, It's that one thing or a few things you do that triggers other things you do. Keystone habits have a ripple effect in other parts of my life. So I've been asking the question, what are the keystone habits of a Christian? And we started with reading your Bible, reading God's Word, listening to it, studying it, dwelling on it, memorizing it, loving it, living in it, letting it fill your life. Uh, I believe another one is prayer. We spend a week on prayer, praying continually, pray, praying routinely. Uh, we, we, we spend a week focused on praise and worship, specifically the act of praise. You know, worship is a lifestyle. It's a life surrendered to God, living for His glory. But the act of praise, the Bible shows us how to praise God outwardly, with singing, with instruments, with uh, sacrificing to God together, with lifted hands, with bowed knees, experiencing God's peace in amongst that. And last week, we spoke about the habit of forgiving and how the Lord's Prayer has a mention of forgiving others. So if the Lord's Prayer is Jesus' teaching on how to pray, and we are encouraged to pray continually, my conclusion is that Jesus was telling us, as often as we pray, we should be forgiving others. So for today, on our last week focused on this kind of series of keystone habits, I want to talk about another specific habit that Jesus himself taught us and exemplified, and that is the habit of communion, partaking communion. And if you're like me and your predominant experience in the Christian faith has been Protestant or Pentecostal, you likely view communion as a thing that we just do from time to time in church. You know, they pass the little cups of juice around and little wafer biscuit. You know, post-COVID, a lot of churches, including ours, have those little self-contained packets, you know. Uh, And it's just not really that big of a deal or a big thing we do all the time. And in our you know, Protestant Pentecostal tradition and and this kind of modern contemporary church that we have, uh, we don't really emphasize rituals or, or 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 things like that. Like I'm not wearing robes on a Sunday or anything like that. But uh, we believe we're saved by faith in Jesus and 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 turning to Him in repentance and reflecting that in our lives. But if we're not careful, we can miss some great holy parts of the Christian faith that have been there for thousands of years. And they're there to enrich us and help us. And the habit or act of communion is there to enrich and help your Christian life. It's a holy, blessed act 
just like prayer and worship and Bible reading. And let's remember that communion was instituted by Jesus himself. It was something he taught the disciples explicitly. And then it was passed on to the early church. In fact, the Apostle Paul, who wasn't a disciple of Jesus per se, in the sense that he didn't follow him around during his time on earth, uh, and he definitely wasn't at the Last Supper, where the First Communion happened, uh, he writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. Let's start in verse 23. He says, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. Now just pause. That's an interesting statement, right? Because here's the Apostle Paul saying, I got this from the Lord himself. Now, he wasn't at the Lord's Supper, so obviously this has been passed through church leadership, uh, or or he's he's read about it, he's heard about it, and he even recaps what happened at the Last Supper. And uh, as we continue reading, it says, on the night when he, Jesus, was was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Now, I find this super interesting because Paul is quoting pretty much like from the Gospels, from what was recorded in the Gospels, like verbatim, word for word, and also uh, like the whole account of the the Lord's Supper. Uh, And for, for those who are real history nerds, there is substantial evidence that Paul likely had seen or read or heard the Gospel accounts. Um, at least some of them. And there are a number uh, of quotes from Luke in particular that Paul seems to make in his writings. And this means that the Gospels were written a lot earlier than skeptics like to think. You know, real skeptical people are like, oh, you know, the Gospels were written hundreds of years after Jesus, which is just not true. Uh, the Gospels were not written hundreds of years after Jesus. They were clearly derived from eyewitness accounts very close after Jesus' resurrection. And they were written to equip the early church and know about what Jesus was like and what he taught and what he did. So let's go to what Paul was referring to in Luke chapter 22, verse 14 to 20. It says, When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. Now, just pause. It was uh, Jewish Passover at the time, which is unique as well because uh, Jesus in many ways is declaring his fulfillment of the Passover or his replacement. Like He is the 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 fulfillment of the foreshadowing of Passover in a sense. And if you don't know what that means, well, you got to read the whole story of, you know, the Israelites being taken out of Egypt to understand the significance of this. But let's just continue. Verse 16, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Verse 17, then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. All right, so there's lots of wine going around at the Last Supper, but the, the, there isn't many physical things that Jesus tells us to do. 
But this act is definitely one of them. Uh, the act of breaking bread and drinking wine or juice or cracker and juice, whatever. I, I think the actual physical elements are, are not the important thing. It's 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 the what it resembles. And so I, I think it's important that we have an understanding of why we do communion and why it is important for us as Christians and how it enriches our, our life. Firstly, the habit of communion is a habit of remembrance. Uh, like I have a very, do you, do you forget things? Like for me, I have this habit of forgetting if I've closed the garage door or not when I'm driven away from my house. I get like down the street and go, did I close the garage door? And I'm always like, damn, I don't want to leave my house with the garage open. So I turn around and check it. And we all forget things. We need constant reminders. Uh, we mentioned last week that the big point of forgiveness is that Jesus is teaching us that as, as often as we pray, we should be forgiving others. This is in the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, well, here I believe that Jesus is telling us as often as we gather and eat, we need to remember him and what he did for us. In some ways, Jesus is doing a bit of habit stacking here. For those who've read any kind of habit books, habit stacking is adding something on top of what you already do. Like, for example, every morning I make coffee, so I make it part of my routine to add Bible reading while I'm making coffee on my coffee machine. So he, he's saying, as often as you eat, remember me. And this is what communion is about. It's a reminder. It's remembrance. It's a reminder of how much God loves us. Jesus says that this is my body given for you. Uh, this is my blood poured out for you. It's a reminder of just how valuable we are to God, that he would sacrifice so much for us. I didn't deserve his life given for me on the cross, but God saw it fitting to do so. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Every time I sit down and I eat with others, Jesus is encouraging us to remind ourselves of how great his sacrifice was and is. Because we all have the tendency to forget things, just like I forget closing my garage door literally five seconds after I've driven away. Communion is about remembrance and reminding. It's about reminding us about how great his sacrifice is, how much God loves us. But communion is also a time of reflection. So we've got remembrance and then reflection. It's, it's a time to check our conscience. Uh, there, there is a requirement for communion, an examination of myself, an examination of, con of, of conscience. Uh, we are to ask the question, have I repented and turned away from my sin? Where am I at with the Lord? Uh, when I am reminded of the cross... And I look at Jesus' sacrifice and the cost of my sin in a fresh way. It should be a reminder to repent of both sin towards God and also sin towards others. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 to 29, it says, So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Verse 29, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Like, look out, there's a warning here. Now, what does it mean to partake communion unworthily? Well, to put it simply, it's when we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, yet continue on sinning. 
when we look at the cross and treat it with contempt, uh, to treat it like it's not a big deal and it doesn't matter and, and, and my sin doesn't cost anything. And No, this is a special moment of remembrance. It's a time to remember and it's a time to reflect and examine where our lives are at in light of the sacrifice that Jesus gave for us. So as often as we eat, we should remember him. As often as we eat, we should reflect on how we're doing. We're talking about keystone habits of a Christian, things that we should routinely do that have a ripple effect in our lives. We mentioned in previous weeks this great quote from James Petresca, who was a uh, researcher in psychology and behavioral change. He says there's something about exercise that makes other good habits easier. So someone who routinely exercises, it makes other things in their life easier. They're eating, there are all sorts of stuff. Now, just like exercising makes other good habits easier, there is a ripple effect in a life that regularly remembers Jesus and reflects on where they're at through this habit of communion. But communion is actually much, much more than just reflecting and remembering. It's also a time of receiving, receiving. And a key part of communion is a union with Christ. This is where this word originates from. It's about a common union with each other and with Jesus. For, for Christians, communion is a holy moment, an intimate moment with God. We do it in the presence of Jesus, just like how Jesus was at the table with the disciples, when we partake in communion, he is with us at the table. He, it's a holy act by which we receive grace from him. We receive from him. He is present with us. And there's this theological term that I love. It's the term consubstantiation, which the Catholic faith believes in what they call transubstantiation, which is a belief that the ceremony of communion and the bread and the wine literally physically transforms into the body and blood of Jesus, which is pretty radical. Now, if if anyone looks at their communion today, you'll notice that it doesn't actually physically change um, without getting too technical into the, all the historical stuff. After the Protestant Reformation... Theologians brought forth this term consubstantiation, which is a belief that communion doesn't transform, like the Catholics conclude, but more so that Jesus' body and blood are present in the act of communion. And that sits well with me and what I read in the scriptures, that there is a conforming or a unity between the act of communion and Jesus himself, and that he would choose to dwell with us in in this moment of remembrance and reflection, and that we would receive from him in a fresh way. Uh, like Jesus passing, you know, when he was at the table with, with the disciples in the Last Supper, he passed the elements. He says, take this bread, take this wine. And Jesus, our servant Savior, is offering us new grace, new health, new empowerment from him. What a beautiful picture that Jesus would serve you in this way, that he would prepare a table for you. Don't think that you're unworthy to receive from him today. He is gracious and loving. And this is all really a foreshadowing of what we will experience in heaven at the great banquet feast where we're receiving from him. As, as much as communion is an outward thing of bread and, or wine and juice or wafer cracker, whatever, it is also an inward receiving from him. We believe that 
the presence of Jesus is there in communion. Christ is present with us. Uh, We receive from him personally when we take communion. The purpose of the gathering of believers in church or at a meal is to have an encounter with Jesus. We can meet with Jesus in this sacramental moment. Uh, We're not just there to, to, you know, sing songs at church or, 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 or do this or that. No, we're there to have a, an encounter with him. I hope that when you gather with the believers at church and we have a time of communion and, and, and we're gathering together in his name, that you would encounter him personally. That's my prayer. That you would encounter his presence in a personal way and receive from him. So this is a special moment of remembering all that Christ has done for us, remembering how valuable we are to him, remembering how much he loves us, a time of reflecting of where I am at with him. How about my holding unforgiveness? Am I unrepentant of things in my life? It's also a time of receiving from him, receiving fresh grace, receiving fresh health from the Lord. And as often as you eat, as often as you gather, we should be remembering him. We're talking about keystone habits of a Christian things that we should routinely do that have a ripple effect in our lives. James Petriska says, there's something about exercise that makes other good habits easier. Well, there's something about a life that routinely remembers the cross, reflects on where it's at, and receives afresh from Him. It will change how you live your day-to-day life. So, I hope that you take some time. I know this is the podcast version. At church, uh, we had communion at the end of the sermon. And we even read from Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to 47, where it speaks of the early church, and it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. So This is something we should be doing together, routinely, uh, habitually. Okay, I'm not saying we have to have church every day, but we definitely have to remember Him. We definitely have to reflect on him and, uh, and reflect on where we're at ourselves and receive from him daily. Amen. So I, I encourage you to take some time today. Take your subway and, and whatever it is that you're, you're eating for lunch or dinner and take time to remember, reflect, and receive afresh from him in his presence. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I hope you can join us. Throughout the month of February, as we uh, gather for church, mate, things are just starting to heat up now as we get closer to Vision Sunday and Missions Vision Sunday. We're excited about the year ahead as everyone church, but let's not just jump into the year ahead without getting these keystone habits down. Reading our Bible, praying, praising, forgiving, and taking communion, remembering, reflecting, receiving from Him. Okay? Hey, have a great week. God bless you. Love me the way